Welcome to Greenhouse. I'm Mike Patz, one of the pastors around here, and we're in a series called Silent Killers, where we're talking about those killers that kind of sneak up on you, and we know that that happens in the physical realm with things like hypertension and cholesterol and diabetes, but what about in the realm of the soul? That's where we've been talking. If you've got a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 14, and if you would stand to your feet, I want to welcome everybody that's online with us right now. God bless you. Give a big shout out to everyone down in Guyana. Everyone give a shout for Guyana right now. What's up, everybody? Good to see you guys in virtual right here. We're going to read Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Usually I read a lot of scripture for the passage I'm preaching. Today it is a one-verse Sunday. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, I dare you to memorize it. It says, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy rots the bones. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy rots the bones. I want to talk about the silent killer, envy. Let's pray. God help. In Jesus' name, amen. Slap someone high five. Have a seat. Let's talk about envy. Several years back, I got invited to go speak uh, at, at, on a little panel. The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association that had been here in Gainesville, and I had been a part of that, and they invited me to kind of go somewhere, and they had these other big-time speakers. I was like the token sidekick that was kind of a nobody, and, but they nonetheless invited me up on a panel. And of course, you're feeling kind of good that you're invited on this panel and whatnot, and I'm up there on this panel where they're asking these questions from the audience, and it became clear very quickly, and I, I was a youth pastor at the time, it became very clear uh, very quickly that I was in over my head, that I was not in the same league as the rest of these guys, and on a couple of occasions, I found myself listening to the responses of these guys and just recognizing their incredible, they were, they were witty, they were intelligent, they were sharp, they were fast, they were very well educated in what they were describing. And I just found myself, if I'm honest, resentful of how great their answers were compared to the answers that I had. I just looked at them and, and I would love to tell you that I was so thrilled with the fact that the body that was asking the questions was, was being edified by the great uh, strength of scripture that was coming forth. But, but in reality, I remember getting off that stage and just feeling, just feeling so bad about me or feeling so low in where I was, especially in comparison to where they were. Because I had that feeling like I just didn't measure up. And I don't think I'm the only one that has that sense of inadequacy of walking into a room and kind of wondering if you have what it takes, especially as it relates to other people, especially in comparison to other people. And if ever we were in the age of comparison, that would be right now. Like right now, we compare more than probably ever before. I don't know that people in previous generations had to compare the way that people do now. They say that right now, the average teenager is just so bombarded with comparison. When they're scrolling through, when they're watching TikTok, when they're on YouTube, when they're um, on Instagram, when any of us are, if you're scrolling through Facebook and you're going through, and when you watch people's vacations and you see people's cars and you see their beautiful faces and you see their gorgeous bodies and you even watch their incredible quiet times and you hear their amazing insights from scripture that they post online that they get a lot more likes than you ever get when you say God is good or whatever it is that you say online and all the different stuff that happens and, and there, there, there's comparisons and, and that's the essence of envy. It's when you're looking at these things that, that other people have and you're thinking, man, I, I kind of wish that I had that. I don't know if there's anything quite 
like being a parent? Like one of the things they didn't tell you when you become a parent is what happens when you see other people's kids compared to your kids, especially when you see godly kids that are acting godly and your kids are not and you're the pastor. <laughs> well, I thought, and there's, and by the way, please, can I, let me just do a shameless plug real quick. Please don't put the pressure on pastor's kids. They already feel it in a million places. That with the pastor, they already feel it up and down and all around. All, but when someone says, well, I thought you were a pastor's kid, so I, to which my kids would say, my dad got called to be your pastor. I didn't. I got born into this. <laughs> But that doesn't help me when I'm watching sometimes you see people's kids that are like perfect at the restaurant. Little Johnny, little Johnny, stay at the table. Okay, mommy, I will stay at the table. Have any of you had a kid that will not stay at the table? Does anyone have that kid that just, they go out and around and, and they can't stop moving and they're doing their thing? And envy, it's, it's a real thing. Now what envy is, last week we talked about greed. And the word greed meant it, it's the desire for more. There's something wrong with when you're, when you're always wanting more. Last week was talking about the desire for more. That's greed. Envy is not the desire for more. It's the de desire for yours. When you've got envy, what you're doing is you are desiring something that someone else has, but it's not just desire because there's nothing wrong with desire. Like you could be single and you could say, well, wait a minute, someone just got engaged. I want to be engaged. Is that envy? No, not necessarily. Envy is when you have desire plus resentment. It's when you desire something, but attached to that, because there's nothing wrong with like, man, I would love to go to Hawaii. Like, I've never been to Hawaii. I would love to go to Hawaii. That sounds great, right? So what, what's bad is if one of you goes, and if I'm resenting, it's, it's the resentment that adds the element that turns it into sin. It's a little different than jealousy. We've, sometimes we conflate these or we confuse these when we'll say, well, there's jealousy. The scripture mentions jealousy, which is in, in Greek in the New Testament. It's, it's where we would get the word like zealous or, or like zelos. It's, it's even this is idea of zeal. In Spanish, we'd say celoso. You'd say celo when someone has got zeal or you can almost use those words interchangeably, zealous or jealous. That means to burn for something. When you're jealous, you're burning for something. But jealousy is not always bad because the Bible says that God himself is a jealous God. So that's why it's, it's actually possible to be jealous for something that rightfully belongs to you. A husband or a wife could be jealous for their spouse because their spouse belongs to them. God says he's jealous for us because we belong to him. So jealousy is describing the burning. Uh, greed describes the desire for more. But envy is describing the desire and the resentment for the advantage or the possession, or the privilege, or the gift, or the talent, or the something else that someone else has. And what it does is envy does something in a soul where it says, if I can't have it, then nobody should have it. And there's a dangerous side to envy because of what we just read, that it says that envy is going to make the bones rot. I've read a lot of studies about this where they'll describe things like if someone came up to you and said, okay, uh, if the two of you cannot come into agreement on a little experiment, then you're both going to only get $10. But if you're willing to agree, then he's going to get $100 and you're going to get $50. All you have to do is agree that he gets $100, you get $50, and you'll get $50. And time and time and time and time and time and time again, people would rather settle for $10 instead of 50 as long as the other person gets the same thing as them. 
Because there's something in us that when others enjoy an advantage or a gift or a blessing or a prosperity that we do not enjoy, there's something in us, and, and we, we, we spin it. We don't use words like envy. We use words like fair. No, it's only fair if we all get treated the same, which is weird because on one hand, everyone wants to be unique, and everyone wants to be eccentric, and everyone wants to have their own little thing, but then when it comes to things like gifts and blessings and prosperity and whatever, it, it, it ends up having this element of we all want to be the same. We all want fairness, and we all want, and we're kind of, we want to love this. We want to level all of this out, and yet when we look at the world, the world isn't quite like that, which sets us up for envy. And the scripture says, a tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. If I can only have you knowing one thing today, I want you to know that a tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. I want you to know that a tranquil heart is going to give you peace, but envy rots the bones. Envy will ruin your marriage. Envy will ruin your relationships. Envy will ruin your career. Envy will rob your joy. Envy will steal your peace. Envy will mess with your mind. Envy will put you in a place where you are not seeing clearly because you are not seeing clearly. A tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. I dare you to memorize that. I dare you to, to even this week be able to quote, a, a, a tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. Envy will make you make foolish decisions. When you're envious, you will buy things that other people bought, and it was God's will for them to buy it, but it was not God's will for you to buy it. You'll take vacations that you never should have taken. It was God's will for them to go on that place, on that vacation. It was not God's will for you. You will make statements you never should have made. When you're envious, you can't help it. You will try to throw shade on people in your life. You will disobey direct commands of the Lord, like judge not lest ye be judged. And you say, I'm not judging, I'm just exposing. No, you're probably criticizing in a moment of resentment where you desire with resentment something someone else has or enjoys. And it will rot your bones. And it will ruin your family. And it will wreck your kids. And it will wreck your marriage. And it will destroy your relationships. And it will sabotage your stewardship of your one and only life that God has called you to live. He has not called you to live someone else's life. He has given you time and talents and treasures that are unique to you. And when you look at someone else's stewardship of their time and talents and treasures, it will mess with your mind because you'll see a businessman that makes more money than you and it ticks you off. But it was God's will for him to make that, not you. Or you'll see a woman that's just incredible. She's like the quintessential Proverbs 31 woman that she's an entrepreneur on the side and she's selling flax over here and she's selling, you know, I don't know, timeshare things over here and she clothes her children in scarlet and she gets them ready at six o'clock in the morning and she does all of the, and you look at her and you want to puke a child. She does everything that she seemingly does. And if only you realize you are called to be you, not her. But her children are so perfect. You have no idea what her children are like. Yes, I do. I saw her post on Facebook. Facebook wouldn't lie. Okay. Okay, boomer. I mean, it's like, when you do not beat this envy thing, you, will, you are not going to steward the time and the talent and the treasure that God has given you. This is the whole message today in a nutshell. A tranquil heart gives life but envy rots the bones. A tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. Well, well what, is, what is a tranquil heart? Well, it's interesting. So the word tranquil, it's a Hebrew word, tranquil. 
It's, it's this Hebrew word. It's got a root word, which is where we would get, if you've been around Christianity for a little while, the root word Rapha, like Jehovah Rapha. Anyone know what that means? God who heals. It's the God who heals. So the root word of tranquil is where we would get the word healing, that, that something's been cured or something's been made whole. Something that was injured gets whole. So a tranquil heart is a healed heart. It's a, it's a heart that's been, that's been healed specifically. A tranquil heart is a heart that has had the, the vision clarified. Like if you've ever needed glasses and your vision has been impaired, a tranquil heart is a heart whose eyes have been repaired to see the goodness of God in your life. Envy will rob you from seeing the goodness of God in your life. The tranquility of the Lord, the tranquil heart of God is going to give you eyes to recognize, oh, snap, God has been so good to me. I, I used to, there, there was an old gospel song that would say, if God has been so good to you, you ought to praise him. And they would just say, if God has been so good to you, and I would like, when it was just getting like double type, you ought to pray, if God has been so good to you, why don't you stand up on your feet and praise? And it would just, and it would keep building. And I remember there's times I would be in a service and, and they'd start saying, if God has been so good to you, you ought to stand up on your feet and praise and magnify the Lord. He's the one that set you free and praise. And, and it, sometimes they would just keep it going. Like I'd be at a church and they're singing this song and they'd have the song going for like 15 minutes. And it'd kind of drive me nuts sometimes until they hit me, wait. Sometimes my eyes were so blinded until I was 10 minutes in this. This wasn't a vain repetition. This was a needful repetition. God has been so good to you. You ought to praise him. Amen. A tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones. So what, is, what are the ingredients of a tranquil heart? Well, let me, let me give you my thoughts on this. Number one, there's, there's three things, and they have to do with you seeing the goodness of God. The first thing is, is gratitude. The first part of a tranquil, healed heart is, in, in it is a heart of gratitude. Gratitude is when I recognize the goodness of God in my past. It's when I can recognize what God has done for me. It's like I'm recognizing that God has been so good to me, I ought to thank him. I ought to praise him. Gratitude, let me say this differently, gratitude is, and you might want to write this down, gratitude is remembering the right way. They tell us, social scientists tell us that, that our memories are actually way more fallible than we know that they are. Like our memories are kind of like Wikipedia. Wikipedia was made as an encyclopedia for people to go in and edit. Your memories are very editable. Your memories are way worse than you think you are consistently. People swear that they remember what happened and they don't. They swear that they remember the details, and they don't. They swear when they were in a place, something happened like this and this and this, and it did not. Our memories are, of all the things that fell at the fall of Adam and Eve, I'm telling you, our memories are fallen things because we are actually able to go in and edit our memories, and here's the dangerous thing, so are other people, including the devil. The devil will get you to remember things in a way where you fail to see the goodness of God because when you see the goodness of God, it does something to you. This is why there's something about recognizing that God is so good. That old child saw, God is so good. He's so good to me. Friends, God has been so good to you. Well, Mike, I don't see it. I know, that's because you need to get healed, Bartimaeus. 
Bartimaeus was a blind man that needed healing. Even right now, I want to just speak it out. In the name of Jesus, may blinders be lifted from people's eyes, even in the midst of hearing God's word right now. God has been good. He's been good to you. The scripture says to recount all the deeds of the Lord. I, I love Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. It's, this changed my life years ago when I read this. Romans 1.21, it says, For although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. When you fail to give thanks to God, your mind gets darkened and your heart becomes futile. To the contrary, when you give God thanks, there's a way in which your, your mind gets sharper. You, you thank God. If you're a basketball player, I'd say, on the court, I'd be thanking God because your mind's going to get sharper. In business, I'd say, thank God, you're going to be sharper. In marriage, you thank God, you're going to get sharper. In marriage, there's something bad that happens when the enemy highlights all the things that haven't happened in your marriage and causes you to forget the multitudes of good things that have happened. Some of you need to go ahead and tell the devil, you do not get Wikipedia rights to my mind anymore in Jesus' name. See, gratitude is recognizing, it's seeing the goodness of God in my past. I, I remember I was in a hospital with a, one of the women in our church who was dying of cancer, and, and it was painful, and she was younger than she should have been. I mean, it was just sad. And, and I remember just um, being there with her, and she was weeping, and I looked into her eyes, and I said, oh, sister, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, Pastor Mike, and she was crying. I said, or are you in pain? She said, oh, I, it's not that. And she just kept crying and crying. I said, I said, ma'am, what is it? She said, Pastor Mike, he's just been so good to me. He's just been so good to me. I'm looking at my life, and I'm just remembering all the goodness of God. He's been so good. He's just been so good. And I was in a hospital where you heard people crying out and cursing God, and people in moments of horror and terror and here was this woman, eyes wide open in anticipation of the Lord who had redeemed her 2,000 years ago that she was about to meet. And, and on her deathbed, she said, oh, God, he's just been so good to me. Friends, let me just, I want to give you this reminder, not as a, not as a condemnation, as, as a lifting of the eyes. He's been so good to you. Count your blessings. Count your blessings, please. Oh, I beg you, count your blessings. God knows, God knows we know how to count our anti-blessings. Count your blessings. What's a tranquil heart? Number one, it's grateful. Number two, it's, it's content. It's, it's full of contentment. Now, now, what is contentment? Contentment is when I see the goodness of God in my present. Not only do I need to recognize the goodness of God in my past, I need to see the goodness of God in my present. That, that when I recognize, wait, God is being good to me. That, that he's, he forever, it's, it's him who was and is and is to come. Like he is the God that everything he was, he is. And, and as we're going to see in a minute, everything he is, he shall, will be forevermore, right? He is, he was, he is to come. His goodness was in my life before I even loved him, and it is in my life right now. There are some of you that have been swimming in the sea of God's goodness so long that you have forgotten that it's like the oxygen that you're breathing, but rest assured, the goodness of God is in your life as we're speaking right now. God is good to you at this very moment. God is being good. 
But Micah doesn't feel like that. There is an enemy and he's bad. There is a world and it stinks. But God is good. And if you want him, he wants you. In Philippians 4.11, it's an interesting verse to me because everyone quotes it at football games when they say, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But in verse 11, it's where it says, now I'm not speaking of being in need because I have learned. Everyone say learned. I have learned. How do you say learned in Spanish? How do you say learned in Portuguese? How do you say learned in tongues? Thank you. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. Envy is evidence that someone hasn't learned. I had to learn to tie my shoes. I had to learn to drive. I had to learn to ride a bike. I had to learn to drive a car. I had to learn to do calculus. I had to learn to keep my mouth shut when I'm talking to my wife in an argument. I had to learn things because they did not come naturally. I, I just want to point out, contentment does not come natural to homo sapiens. If you are a homo sapien, if you are human, just know you're in, in, you're, we're all in the same boat here. Contentment does not come natural. It is learned. It is a learned reality. You learn to be content because there are times when you have less and someone else has more. And Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to get less and I know how to get more. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to suffer want and I know how to suffer abundance. I can, I've learned. By the way, that's the context of I can do all things through Christ. It's not simply, I can close any deal there is. It's not just that. It's, I mean, if you're four foot two, chances are you're not going to dunk a basketball, right? It's not, you're like, well, I can do all things through Christ. I know you could through Christ, and if he had you do it, I'm not saying it's an impossibility. I'm just saying the context of the actual verse is, let's get a little more real. He's not talking so much about midgets dunk, uh, you know, dunking a basketball. He's talking about people like you and me dunking on envy. Envy. I can do all things through Christ who gives me. I can be content. I've learned. And, and, and we got to be careful because I, what, what I'm finding is the, the world we're in right now, we're, we're giving new words for things. So what we really have is envy, but what we're calling it is like a heart for fairness. Like, well, I, I want fair. Because my, my kids do this all the time. Daddy, that's not fair. That's not fair. Like, if I want to take one, I mean, I have eight children. If I want to give one-on-one -on -one time to one of my eight children, we have to find an equilibrium where the other seven are not saying, that's not fair. Why is daddy taking you out for one-on-one? -on -one? Because just by the sheer virtue, of it, I cannot take eight people out simultaneously for a one-on-one -on -one time with daddy. And if we don't figure this out, my kids are going to walk around and they're going to live life. What if, what if I see something that my daughter, Atalia, loves? And so I bring that home for her and all the other kids. Well, that's not... But what if I saw... It was her favorite flower. That was her favorite treat. That was her favorite. Now, the reality is the daddy's heart in me, do all of you understand, their time is coming. 
My kids don't need to worry. Like, I, I'm going to be looking out for all of my kids. But something twisted happens. When, and, and what's happening is a lot of us are like taking on really an offended heart when other people get what, what we say, when we see the advantages or the blessings or the prosperity of the other kids in the house, and when they get something that I don't get, I get tempted to, now watch, what I'm really having is envy, or I'm not recognizing, and again, a tranquil heart gives life, but envy rots the bones, envy rots the bones, envy ruins the vision, envy ruins the family, envy ruins your life. And instead of, when we have envy, watch, please catch this, Right now, we're in a moment that instead of dealing with the inordinate desires inside of me, we're trying to fix everything outside of me. Like, Dad needs to stop giving special things to Italia because all of us should get the same exact thing. And the reality is, what they don't understand is what they're calling fairness is actually ridiculous because my children are each precious to me in different ways. If one of them loves one thing, I want to give them that. And if one of them needs some special attention on one day, I'm going to give them that. The daddy in me loves them in a way that I am going to spread out the goodness and the blessing to all of my kids. I love them all. But when they get preoccupied with fairness in the name of, uh, you know, of, well, whatever, really envy in the name, what's going to happen is instead of dealing with the envy on the inside of them, they're going to come out their daddy on the outside of them, and they're going to have resentment against the dad who's given the gifts to Italia, and they're going to have resentment against the siblings that are enjoying the benefits of daddy, as opposed to rejoicing with them and knowing and recognizing and believing, I can be content with what I've got. And as we said last week, godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not addressing issues of injustice. There is injustice that has to be addressed. There are things that are wrong that have to be addressed. But I'm saying be very careful in our identification of what's going on in the world to not recognize the things that are going on in our hearts because a tranquil heart brings life, but envy rots your bones. I love the song, Jaira. By Maverick City because at one point the tag just says, God, you are enough. And because you are enough, I am enough. And it's just, I, I just want to point out the nature of God's creation. For example, God has, has described the body, like even God's people, like all of us that are in this room and that are watching online, we're all part of the body of Christ. And something goes wrong when, when if you're the pinky, if you're like, man... The middle finger's longer, man. You can, like, flip people off. I, what, what can you do with a pinky? You can't, like, this doesn't do anything, you know? Or you could look, you could be the hand, and you could say, man, but the leg is bigger, you know? Or the elbow is harder, you know? It's, or the forearm is tougher. And what can happen is we can look at life, and again, all I'm trying to say is in a world that it's weird because on one hand, all of you want to be special. But when other people are being treated special, we all tend to get envious, and we all want to be the same. It's a, it's a weird, slippery, dangerous cycle. It's a crazy cycle. I want to be unique and special and eccentric and wonderful. And all, but then, then I want everyone to be, and again, what, what will happen with envy is in my desire plus resentment, I, it's like Joseph's brothers. Joseph got a coat of many colors and none of us did. And so they took it, they destroyed it and got rid of it because if only he's going to get it, we'd rather no one get the coat of many colors than only one of us gets a coat of many colors. And I'm not making a statement about what kind of bad parenting that was from Jacob all trying to say is there's something about recognizing on the inside of you when there's envy it will rot your bones and you will fail to recognize the diversity and the nature of God's creation let me break it down for you everyone in this room and everyone that's listening to this message right now does not have the same IQ 
does not have the same equal uh, emotional intelligence, does not have the same levels of empathy, does not have the same levels of administration, does not have the same levels of organization, does not have the same abilities to listen, does not have the same spiritual gifts. Some of you are discerning, and some of you can heal, and some of you get tongues, and some of you get interpretation, and, and some of you guys have faith that could move mountains more than you could even imagine, and some of you are highly optimistic, and some of you are, are highly relational, and some of you are very introverted, and some of you are very extroverted, and there's all sorts of gifts, and if we're not careful, when you're watching some other part of the body, you're going to have eyes looking at the hand and saying, man, look at that hand. It's, it can pick up a phone. All I get to do is look at a phone. Imagine if the eyeball said, if the eye said, you know what we're going to do? It? We're going to try to pick this thing up. Can you imagine? And that's what, don't we see this all the time though? People trying to be somebody else's gift, trying to play some other role, and the root of, see, envy is a, it's a sneaky root of a lot of other sins. A lot of us gossip about people, not because we're discerning prophets. Just, I'm not gossiping, I'm just asking, for, we, we, we just need to pray, man, we just need we, we just, man, we just got to pray for our, our microchurch leader. We just got to pray for him. Man, th- just a prayer request. I, I'm just discerning stuff. No, you're envious, and in your envy of how someone else is being used by God, you throw a prayer request to throw shade on somebody because by bringing them down and getting rid of their coat of many colors, it makes you feel better. Well, if I can't have a coat of many colors, then nobody should have a coat of many colors. But if someone's coat of many colors is the gift of prophecy and you don't have it, rather than obsessing over what you don't have, trust me. You've got something incredible. Stop being distracted by their coat of many colors and go get on your hovercraft or whatever it is that God gave you. There are some of you that are, there are some of you in here that are very, very tall, and some of you are short, and some of you are very ambidextrous, and so there are so many different kinds. Think about God. God Himself, He has not made us the same. And you and me, are, with our minds, when, when we have envy, our minds get darkened and we misidentify the blessings of the Lord. We, fa- we fail to see the goodness of God. My prayer for us, God, open our eyes to see the goodness of God. Mike, if I could do one thing, what would you want me doing? For one, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because something happens when you get full of the Holy Spirit, God's love gets poured out into your heart and you feel lit. You're like, oh man, when you're full of God and his love, the envy loses its sting on you. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit in a while, I'd go get filled. Because that's going to help you to have this contentment. You know, I was thinking about Pastor Matt's got two daughters, Allie and Addie. And Addie's younger, she's five, and um, Allie's older. But Allie's not as good in math, and Addie is exceptional in math. So the younger one is very, very good in math. And, and I don't know if it was this week or recently they were doing something and, and just kind of going through with Allie, the older one, some, you know, math problems or whatever. And I guess, you know, she, she might be a little uh, more hesitant in doing it as quickly. But then from the other room, Addie wasn't even there. In the other room, the little one, she would blurt out the answers. What's 9 plus 4? 13. What's 47 plus 47? 94. They're giving these, I don't know how high the numbers went, but they got a little higher, didn't they? That they're getting up to higher numbers. And Addie's in the other room, like, sort of exceptional. She's exceptional with math, for, especially at a very young age. And in that moment, the question is, if, if you're the much older sibling, Allie, that has a younger sibling, Addie, who is who's showing exceptional abilities, how do you respond? 
But Allie's response was, wow, Addie, you are so smart. You're so good with math. Check you out. And when I heard that story, I was like, Lord, imagine what it would be like in a world that is run by by greed and envy and rivalry, if when people come to the church, it's brothers and sisters that get together and when one of them's like, oh, guys, check it out. I, you know, I, I was always hoping for this promotion. I got the promotion. Imagine being in a microchurch when you're full of brothers and sisters that when you got the promotion and everyone else didn't maybe, that, that everyone else is able to go, wow, praise God for the goodness of God in your life. Yes. I imagine that if, if you're still driving the clunker where, like, you, you're putting duct tape on your car. To, to hide the, the you know, to, to keep the rust in place. And someone else just got a weird, crazy inheritance of $12,000. And they bought a brand new car. And they come like, guys, check it out. I didn't even know I had this Uncle Eugene from Idaho. Never met him, never heard of him. He left me $12,000 car. Imagine being in a group of people with rusted cars that were actually able to look and to get past the envy and to have eyes of contentment where they say, oh, I see the goodness of the Lord in your life, and I rejoice. Imagine being in a microchurch where, full of singles, and all the single ladies. And, it's, you know, and they've been praying, and they're like, oh, Jesus. And then and one of them that just like, whatever, like the youngest one there, said, guys, you will never believe it. I'm engaged. <laughs> Imagine being in a group and you were one of the people that's been in 47 weddings as a bridesmaid. <laughs> like you've made a living on reselling the dresses that suppose you'd wear again, that you know it's impossible to wear again because they're so bad. <laughs> but imagine being in a place that even when you have not yet gotten what you were, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting that, but you're actually able to look someone else in the eyes and say, I rejoice with you because I love you. And my eyes have been healed out of my envy and delivered into love. Could you imagine, and I'm, I'm not talking the fake stuff because envy is one of those things, it's so subtle and deadly because when you're struggling with it, you almost never admit it. If someone says, hey, bro, how you doing? Most people aren't like, man, I'm just really seriously envying your face right now. Wow. <laughs> Or someone, hey, sis, how you doing? I'm just envying your body. I watch you eat junk food, and you've got that body. I run and look at this body. Lord have mercy. I hate you. (laughs) Totally wrong. But imagine being in a different kingdom where the blinders have been removed. And you realize that when Jesus Christ died on a cross, the only thing wrong with you was taken care of and healed. If you belong to Jesus, please hear these words carefully. You are enough. Because your life is hidden with Christ and God. You are enough. Because you're a beloved child of the Most High God. You have what it takes. Because greater is he that's inside of you than he that's in the world. 
You are enough. Because he's inside of you. He's graced you in ways you don't even know. 10,000 years from now, you'll be looking back and say, glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to God. See, there's something about contentment. It's, it's when you realize, wait, wait, I'm enough. That, man, I dare you this week to go rejoice with someone. I dare you today. Let, let us be the place that if someone did get the inheritance or did get the engagement ring or did get the promotion, or that we would be the place where we're like, man, we know in the rest of the world they're going to throw shade on you and throw all this junk on you. But in this place, we will celebrate you because we are looking for the goodness of God. It's the tranquil heart, man. It's freeing. It's freeing. It's freeing. What's the tranquil heart? Even this week when you go somewhere, when someone comes up and says, yo, how you doing? Here's a great response. Content. How are you? Content. Como estas? Contento. Seriously? Contentísimo. Bastante requete contento. That's how I am right now. Let me, let me go ahead and ask. Hey, church. How you doing? Everyone say, contento. Number three, the, the tranquil heart, it's, it's, grat- it's got gratitude. It has contentment in the present goodness of God, the past goodness of God. But number three, it's got hope in the future goodness of God. Pastor Mike, my life is not what I wish it was. Yeah, but God's not done. Yeah, my, 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 my life is rough. Oh, God is not done. I wish you could see the end of the game. Proverbs 37 says this, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And here's the verse I want you catching. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Mike, I'm envying. Wait, wait, wait. Take your eyes off of what they have and your resentment. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I do not know how to explain this, but there has been so many times in my life where I was in one state of what you name the vice. You name the state of anger, rage, envy, whatever that is, and I would go into a place of delighting in the Lord. It's one of the things that happens in worship many times. You kind of come to church because you should, right? You know, oh, I'm going to do it. And then they start singing a song, and, and you felt the little nudge from God like, yo, I'm here. Look up. You're like, nah. And then they sing it again. You're like, well, and you take a little peek, you know, and you're like, and, and then you take them, and then you take them, and then they start singing some song. And, and friends, it's not just music. This is not just the soul. This isn't just um, emotional manipulation. What ends up happening is you reach that place where you begin to look, and you begin to see, and you begin to say, like David in Psalm 27, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you get to that place where you look at his beauty and you see he's looking at you. And I don't know if you ever remember falling in love or whatever. And you kind of looked across the room and you realize they were looking at you. But you reach these places in the Holy Spirit that you look to him and you realize he's been looking at you the whole time. And you're like, man, Jesus, I thought you were ignoring me. I thought, I thought the way my life feels right now, like I thought you forgot me. And by his look at you, it's very clear. Son, I've been looking at you since, since you were conceived. I've never taken my eye off you. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, because you've been looking at all the other stuff. 
That's why the tranquil heart, it's, it's when you start looking for the goodness of God in your past. And you start looking for the goodness of God in your present. And you start anticipating the goodness of God in your future. It's the tranquil heart, and a tranquil heart gives life. And you reach these places where you get into the Holy Spirit's presence, and, and, and something, something happens. Something happens. See, my kids wonder if, they, they want, the reason my kids sometimes take snacks and they go hide them in their room is because they, they wonder if there's going to be enough to go around. And when I'm cleaning, I'm like, what? What's going on? I didn't, I'm kids. There's plenty of snacks to go around for you. But daddy, there's eight of us. But your daddy has so much money, I could buy five packs of Doritos if I wanted. Wow. And your daddy is so loaded with goodness and generosity that there is no good thing he withholds from those whose hearts are set on him. But Mike, I haven't felt it yet. Then delight yourself in the Lord and you will you will. He will give you the desires of your heart. That's, just, that's what he said. That's how he promised. See, see at the end of the day, honestly, when, when I kept on meditating on this passage, I kept on seeing that the, the root of envy, it's a wounded heart. The, the reason that a tranquil heart gives life is because the tranquil heart is a healed heart. We need a healing that only God can give. This, this root word for healing, it, envy reveals wounds. It reveals the p- envy reveals the places that you don't really believe that God is good to you. Envy reveals those places that I don't think that God can be trusted to to be good to me, to provide for me, or that he prefers others, or he likes the other kids better than me, but I need you to understand that, that he does not. And today I pray the healing of Jesus upon you. I remember years ago when I was, one night, I was coming home from church, it was a Wednesday night, and I was with my my first child, Samara, and at the time we only had one car, and and I remember just got, you, I, I don't you know I don't remember what happened, but I remember I was talking to people afterwards, and it was going on longer, and I kind of felt bad as a preacher's kid. You're always like having to wait, and and but by the time it was all done, everybody was gone that I would have asked for a ride home from, and so I didn't have a ride home, and so I'm sitting there and. And, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, what are we going to do? And, um, and everyone had left, and I'm finally like, hey, baby, we're just going to have to, we're just going to walk home. And so we started walking home. And she's just talking the whole time. She's talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And, and, we're just, and I'm seeing cars drive by. As they're driving by, I'm like, man, I bet that's someone's third car. I bet that's someone's second car. And we're, and we're driving home. And the whole way home, I'm just kind of like, just res- I'm like, man, Lord. And I remember we got home, and, and I was like, hey, baby, I'm, really so, I'm so sorry to keep you so late. It, was, it took 25 minutes to walk home. We're sweating. It's Florida. We're in Gainesville. It's a swamp, you know. And we get home, and, and I said, I'm so sorry. And she looks up to me, and she's just smiling. She says, oh, don't, don't be sorry. This was one of my best days. I loved having you all to myself. I said, what, you liked that? She said, I loved it. Can we just do it again? So fast forward. This week, I, was, I had a, a missions meeting in Texas. And I, I'm getting, getting ready to go to this, this missions meeting or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm just trying to travel. I try to travel alone as little as possible. And I had a free ticket. People are having it in the office. And my daughter, Samara, she now works here at the office, have to. Um, they, people are working remotely anyway. I'm like, hey, I've got a free ticket. Why don't you just come while I'm at my missions meeting? Why don't you just join me and you can kind of be my, you know, my tag along. You can be my wingman, whatever, you know. She's like, oh, I'd love to. So anyway, so we go there and the, the meeting was on Thursday. I go and I, the, the meeting is at a hotel at the airport DFW at Dallas. 
Now, I'm on a board, and so I get invited to some of these things. I'm clearly the low guy on the totem pole of these kind of things, which was very clear when I'm looking for the place. And they're like, sir, there's no, idea, there's no mention of a meeting here or whatever. I'm like, no, I got the email here and everything. So I'm asking him, sure enough, the meeting had been canceled three weeks ago because of COVID concerns, and they never got word to me. I flew to Dallas for a missions meeting. Most of the other people, there's a couple of other people, but like I'm sure the important cool people got notified clearly. I'm sitting here like, I cannot believe this. And I looked over at Samara, because Samara's with me right there. I looked over at Samara, and all I can say is her eyes looked like that seven-year-old Samara. They got big. And she said, Daddy, I'm so sorry, but I'm so excited. Is it just you and me now for the... I said, she said, Daddy, because they said, the meeting got canceled three weeks ago. Three weeks ago on staff here, and she's on staff, we had a day of silence and solitude, and she was praying about some things. And she says, I feel like three weeks ago when I was praying during silence and solitude, God answered my prayer and never let you see that the meeting was canceled, and now here we are. And it was like... I was sitting there feeling like the bum that had gotten kind of pushed down. I was, I was almost embarrassed, like, oh, my daughter is seeing me get rejected as kind of a nobody in front of, you know, I mean, and to her, she's like, rejected? The king of the universe orchestrated the whole thing so you and me would get this whole time together. Isn't God good? Yeah. Yeah. I, I end it like this. You and me with this envy thing, we need a savior that's going to forgive us of our sin because envy is going to kill us. But you don't just need a savior. We need a healer because we have wounds on the inside that wonder when my dad left our family if God's going to leave me or when your spouse dumped you if God's going to dump you or when your friends bailed on you if he's going to bail. But he's not like your friends and he's not like your mom and he's not like your dad and he's not like what's happened in this life. Which is why it says in 1 Peter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so we could die to sin, live to righteousness, and with his wounds were healed. The reason I love it is because envy is a sin that needs forgiveness. He himself bore our sins in his body. The wages of envy is death. The envious, the covetousness, the covetous, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you cannot get past your greed and your envy, it is going to condemn you ultimately. But you need not have that be the case because he himself bore our sins like envy in his body on the tree. We have a savior that gets rid of our guilt of envy. But we don't just have a savior. And with his wounds, we're healed. He knows that you and me need a healing that only he can provide. And today I announce healer, savior, redeemer, king, Jesus.